0: You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Terry Riley titled Spiritual Heart and Mind, which is from our sermon series Renew, Replenish, Refresh. For more info, please visit creekside.org.
1: Good morning. How are we doing? you all right okay give me a woohoo if you're doing good give me an oh no if it's not so good oh no man just one person that's really good how many didn't tell the truth Hey, I was, uh, this past week, last Monday, I was invited to play at a wonderful golf tournament uh, at the beautiful Wente Vineyards Golf Course. Our team was on the seventh hole. It's a dog leg left about 300 yards. Now, somebody, good hitters, can oftentimes hit at 300 yards. Professionals can not easily, but a good hitter can hit at about 300 yards. Um, especially when it's downhill. So this course was a dog leg left, it means it kinda goes down and around, and there was trees to the left, but uh, somebody up on the tee when we were on the green did the no-no. You know what the no-no is? If you think you can get to the green, you don't wanna hit it because you might hit somebody. So we're on the green and all of a sudden this team behind us starts teeing off. No-no, I'll come back to it in a few minutes. Um, we've been in this series we're going to conclude today. Uh, really the focus is about just kind of changing the pace and taking care of our inner life, our soul and, and our spirit and a little bit of our body that instead of being on this treadmill of busyness and just going at a, at a pace that we really can't sustain, um, slow down and allow God to kind of work in us and be around us and work through us and take care of that inner part of us that sometimes we don't understand very well our soul and we just kind of keep going and bury things. Um, I also noted last week in both service it, it was kind of a, just a little statement but it seemed like a lot of you kind of grabbed onto it that I said I'm, I'm thinking about talking about mental illness a week or two and, and uh, so uh, because there was kind of a reaction to that, uh, I just want to let you know, probably after the first of the year, I'll do that. I got to move on now to get uh, through some other things that we planned, but I think that's an important um, uh, issue for the church to really begin to at least grapple with and understand uh, that there's a lot of mental illness out there and it's going to really be somewhat applicable uh, to some degree too, for where we're going as a church that I'll be talking about um, not starting next week, but the following week for three or four weeks. So today we're going to conclude this service and uh, we've been looking at just really some practical biblical principles and scriptures on how to kind of stay in in the lane and stay fit and take care of our soul, body and spirit. And uh, so today I want to I want to kind of dispel this thought Have you ever, don't raise your hand, I did this first service and then I said some things and I go, I wish I wouldn't have had them raise their hands. Um, The question was this, how many feel like your life is in balance? And there was only probably 10 people that raised their hands. And I'm reading this this executive paper uh, by Bruce Miller and it's called Life in Rhythm And in it, he's talking about this whole idea that the the balance in life is a myth you can really achieve balance in life. So many people struggle with busyness and the com- competing priorities that ultimately, ultimately can kind of diminish our life and our soul and lead to stress. And, and he said that in talking to thousands of people in his research, and he would begin to talk about balance in life after he kind of explained it, he said not one person said they were in balance. And you kind of understand that because balance happens when two weights are on a scale, are equal, and they're balanced. And he begins in this writing, and I haven't finished yet, but he begins to talk about that, it is, it's, that this idea of balance in life can be so flawed, and we strive for it, and all it really does is cause more stress. Because it assumes that we can find this equilibrium and this equal balance, But have you noticed how life seldom pauses for us? You're going through something and you just go, man, I can't handle another thing. I don't want to face another thing. And then boom, something happens. And it talks about, you know, really you begin to cause some disequilibrium. And let's face it, we can't give equal time to our work, equal time to our marriage, equal time to sleep, equal time to meals and friendships and eating and our kids and all of their activities even if we work really hard to proportion them out, we're probably still not going to be in good balance. Now, some of us, we just start lopping things off. Some of you lop off church. Not a good idea. But we start doing that, and we still, we're we're, we're trying to get more proportionate, but it doesn't always work. Miller notes that balance, he, he says that most people understand and believe this, that if someone is balanced, they're probably just a very average person. Why is that? Well, because we strive for excellence. We strive for production. We strive to be successful. And and everybody wants that. But to do that, to be outstanding, really, in any arena, it requires commitment, sacrifice, and time. You ever notice that? Talk to anybody. If they are really, really outstanding in their in their arena or their field, they've probably had to make some significant sacrifices and become unbalanced. It's interesting to talk to professional athletes. I've read a lot of professional stories of athletes and a lot of them will say this, I never became excellent and became one of the best until I became very selfish. Because you have gotta, to become excellent, you can't live a balanced life. You have to focus on what it is You want Well, I'm really fascinated by this. I haven't finished reading it yet, but I'm going to, and uh, I'll probably uh, be able to glean some things out of it because he he begins to talk about the rhythm having to do with uh, not culture as much and what you do there, but how you live within the context of God's design in the seasons and uh, evening and nightfall and uh, morning and and all of these different things and making room. But I want to talk to you about something that I'm bringing back to my life from years ago. It's a rhythm that I am developing again because one of the things that I understand that one of the more important things in my life is prayer. I love the word. I love getting up in the morning and getting my coffee and yogurt or whatever I get and sitting down and just reading the word and just journaling thoughts. But one of the things that I want to get back to is a stronger, better, more consistent prayer life. And if I were to ask everybody in this room, would you like to do that as well? Most of you would probably say, yeah, I would. And they say, okay, good, go do it. And then you'd go, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start. Obviously, I'm going to get an hour of prayer in or 30 minutes or five minutes. I don't know. <laughs> but you'll start. You have such good intentions. And what are you going to do? You're going to go, okay, Lord, the preacher said something yesterday. I got to. I gotta guilt my way. I mean, I gotta get my way through this. <laughs> so Lord, thank you for my spouse. They're so good to me. Lord, help my kids. They're in school today. God. Would you bless my life? God. My aunt in North Carolina has a really, really, really bad hangnail. <laughs> Can you help her? Oh, wow, that's a minute and a half. I've, uh, I've only got 29 minutes to go. Hey, does anybody deal with that? Come on. Yes. Okay. I mean, prayer is kind of a, well, it's kind of hard. And it's hard to stay on top of and stay with it. And so I'm thinking, if if, 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 if you read any kind of secular Uh, spiritual, Christian, things on healing and everything. You know what you'll find? Prayer is a big part of that. They say that people heal much quicker if they have a community to be with and they pray and they have a God that they speak to and then if they have people that are around them to come encourage them and, and breathe hope into their, their, their broken sails they heal much quicker I was even reading one thing and you can go and find this all online and some of it you go I don't know about that but a lot of it's good and, and I found out one time that, that um, I can't remember the percentage but there's a high percentage of people that are more likely to die after significant heart surgery if they don't have a God that they're praying to or if they don't have some way that they're meditating. And so you begin to see the effects spiritually and physically and how important prayer is. And we've been talking about how critical it is to just kind kind of put the brakes on a little bit and slow down a little bit so that we can meet with our master, Jesus. Now, this rhythm that I'm talking about, I'm going to share with you, and don't panic because I'm only going to get through the first one today. I thought I'd get through all four, but it didn't happen. And But this rhythm is so important because we see it really throughout the scriptures. Remember Jesus and his father, what did he do? It says that oftentimes he'd go out with his disciples and he'd preach and he'd pray and he'd heal and he'd set the captives free and he'd preach some more and he'd heal some other people. And then at the end of the day, it says they got away and then they'd get up and he'd probably debrief with his team. And then in the morning it says that he got up and he would meet with his father. He'd get his marching orders there. Because he had such high regard to be in relationship with his father. And then other times it just said, and Jesus got away for solitude. Just wanted quiet. Just wanted to rest his body, his soul, and his spirit. And and, and that was Jesus's rhythm. Minister, minister, work, work, minister. Ah, solitude, rest, be with the father. And then Martha and Mary, many have heard of, of them it's a story about two sisters in Luke chapter 10, where Mary's the sister that's very contemplative, probably soft and quiet spoken. And then you have Martha, who is very busy, wants to get everything done, organized, take care of stuff. She was probably the ancestor to Martha Stewart, because she really was the hostess with the mostess. So Jesus comes and he brings his gang, and they come into the house, and they sit down there, and Jesus is probably sitting like, you know, you can just kind of see Jesus going, you know, let me just, uh, me just pull yourself, let me just tell you a little story here. Let me tell you a little parable. And so these, everyone's, you know, with rapt attention, they're paying attention to what Jesus is saying, and all of a sudden, you got Martha She's running around. She's trying to take care of these guys. She's trying to make sure the bathroom's clean. She's trying to make sure that there's food, that there's drinks, that there's everything taken care of. People have got a place to see. And all of a sudden, she just says, this is stupid, ludicrous, and I'm mad. So she goes to, have you guys done that? someone done that? Okay, a couple of you over here. So she goes to Jesus and says, hey, what's the deal here? Do you see my sister? I mean, she's just, she's just sitting around. I need some help, Okay. And so what does Jesus do? He looks at her and I don't know how he would do it, but, you know, because I I wouldn't want to do this. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes at that time, but he looks at her and he goes, Martha, Martha, Martha. You are so consumed and so concerned about so many things. Would you just take a chill pill? Because you're upset at Mary, but you know what Mary's doing? Mary's doing the very thing that I want her to do. Mary is doing the one needful thing and that one thing won't be taken away from her. What was she doing? It says she was sitting at his feet, listening, taking in. Now hear me. It doesn't mean that we don't do because the next story right after, I mean, right before that was about the good Samaritan and doing, but Jesus wants to bring balance. He wants us to see that Martha and Mary are both good people doing good things, but the timing and the priority is what he wants us to understand. It's so easy for me because I kind of got this Martha part of me. Um, And and I want to bring this rhythm back into my life to make sure that I stay focused after talking about all of this soul stuff and everything for the last uh, month. See, part of the problem is we get up in the morning and we run to our information. We run to our phone. We run to our computer. We run to the newspaper. And then we get ready for work and we got to set up all the appointments that are coming ahead of us. And isn't it so easy, loved ones, to look at the world and forget about the people in our neighborhood? Isn't it so easy? that we can begin to put people's productivity before their walk with the Lord and what's going on in their life. Isn't it easy to begin to set our own plans and our own personal agenda before just simply seeing and sitting and seeking Jesus' plan and agenda for our own life? Now hear me before you get kind of carried away and go, well, that's not very practical. It is very practical because that's what I'm gonna talk about for a few minutes. But here's the deal. I am not saying don't be a person that has a plan. I'm not saying don't be a person that doesn't have a sense of agenda and you know, needs to get up and get your stuff going because that's how I live and that's how I'm going to continue to do it. Here's what I want to make sure that I do is that I prioritize it and this is going to sound a little weird but prioritize my time with Jesus not just his word even though they're Synonymous. I want to take a break. I want to just slow down and just get a sense of God's presence in my life. That it isn't just simply a mind and a spirit and an academic exercise to, to read the scriptures and get kind of a good thought for the day. But there's this sense where I get centered because I've encountered the living Christ. And, I, and listen, this isn't like some kind of mysterious and spooky, off-together ooky thing that I'm talking about. But it's, it, it helps. It's going to center you. And you're just going to take time. Because and, and, this is what the prophet Isaiah said. He said in Isaiah 26, 3, he said, you will keep, I love this, you, 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 will keep in perfect peace whose mind is dependent on him, God. For it is trusting in you. It is that that mind is trusting in you. And when you are with him and you are sitting with him and being with him and understanding him in a setting like today, he says, guess what? Two things are going to happen. There's going to be this peace that comes on you because well, you're taking the time to be quiet and to listen to the living Christ. But that kind of just goes, (sighs) ah. It's critical to me with Jesus, the lover of your soul, the lover of my soul, who loves and wants to guide us through his presence and his power. And this is what I'm coming back to. I'm going back to this thing that I used to do really early in my walk. Someone taught it to me, but I want to encourage you to do it because I don't just want us to become people that know the Bible. I want us to become people that live the Bible because we walk with Jesus and we're following him. Do you know the most dangerous people in the world are people that just know the Bible? They're the meanest, the most cantankerous, the most judgmental. But when they're not doing it, when they're not living it, when they're not in the throes of walking with people, they just become really religious. And nobody likes to be around them. And see, as as we're kind of reconfiguring our vision for the season ahead, I don't want us to just know the word. I want us to live it. But I want us to sit with Jesus, the living word. And the first thing, there's an acronym that was given to me, it was, it's called ACTS, A-C-T-S. And it's there on your outline, but we're just gonna do adoration this morning. It Wasn't the plan going into this morning, but it's what we're doing, adoration. I want you to turn in your Bible to Revelation one. Revelation one. Now you're probably thinking, oh boy, good. We're going to find out who the Antichrist is. Yeah, yeah who, oh, man, we're going we're to get an idea maybe where Jesus is going to come, where he, when he's going to come, and what's going to happen. No. All of those things can be thought about through this book, but they're not answered in the book. But we use this to really focus on the end times and the church moving on and Jesus coming. And that's part of this. But, but we're not going to answer all of these things in, in our lifetime until it happens here's what this book is really about it's called a revelation it's not just a revelation of the light last things foremost first it's the revelation of who Jesus Christ is let me show you who Je- well, let me remind you who Jesus Christ is because this is about adoration And I know I'm very relational when it comes to Jesus. I believe that one of the greatest compliments when Jesus said, You're my friend, Terry. You're my friend, Kelly. You're my friend, Joe. I love that. But sometimes we can become, we can have such a relational theology that we forget that while Jesus says, I am your friend, we can forget that he is this God of majesty and power. That's why I've been reading Revelation for the last, I've been reading basically a lot of John's, all of John's books in the last couple of months because I just, I want to get back to the Jesus focus. And in reading Revelation, just because I'm going to do a series in the first three chapters here in, in the season ahead, but Jesus wants to speak to his church. He spoke to him 1,900 years ago. I think he's, gonna, I think he's speaking to us again. But listen to what it says about Jesus. The revelation of Jesus Christ that, gave, uh, that God gave him to show us slaves... Uh, what must quickly take place? He says, "I, I gave you this revelation because I wanted you to see what's going to be happening." He sent it and he signified it through his angel to his slave John, who testifies to God's word to the testimonies about Jesus Christ in all that he saw. He's just setting it up that he's going to have. He had this revelation now he's writing it down. Notice what he says here in verse 3 Blessed is the one who reads, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. Do you realize that you can get a blessing just from reading Revelation? You may not understand much of it, but just by reading it, John's saying, Here's what I want you to know. You can receive a blessing the power of God's word, and the power of the prophetic word concerning Jesus. So John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from the one Jesus who is, who was, and who is coming. Okay, right there. That's right. He's coming. He was and he is. He's still around. Hmm, interesting. If you read these about these seven churches, you know what you find out? Jesus is here today. There's this sense where his spirit is just walking through our congregation because of his presence, because he loves his church. And in verse 9, it talks about John's vision of the risen Lord. He said, as on the spirit on the Lord's day, verse 10, and I heard behind me this loud voice like a trumpet saying, didn't say it was a trumpet, it's like a trumpet. And he says, I want you to write on a scroll what you see, and I want you to send it to the seven churches. See, those seven churches, they got mail from Jesus. It wasn't an email, it was a mail, it was on a scroll. And he says, this is the things that I want you to know about me and to see. And you go to verse 12, and it says, And I see, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. When I turned, this is what I saw, seven gold lampstands. And among the lampstands was Jesus, like the Son of Man, dressed in a long robe with a gold sash, wrapped around his chest. All of these things mean anything, and I'm going to unpack them for you. And another time, but his head and his hair were white, like wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a fiery flame, his feet like fine bronze, fired in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of cascading water. In his right hand, he had seven stars. And with his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. That's the word. And his face was shining like the sun at midday. And then John goes, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet like I was a dead man. And then he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the alpha And the Omega. I was dead. But look, John, you'll recognize me. You know who I am. In the midst of all that you're seeing, and you can't even put it hardly into words, I'm the guy that at the Last Supper, man, you put your head down on my shoulder. You're the one that bragged about being the disciple that I loved. Don't be afraid. You ever been there where... you're you're just afraid and you're not sure and all of a sudden you just kind of sense Jesus putting his hand on you guess what's happening here, there's this revelation that John is getting and he's seeing Jesus and who he is today tomorrow forevermore that's the same Jesus that's with us today up in heaven and then you go over to chapter 4 and they're in the throne room of heaven. And it says, all these people, these, 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 these languages of people, these ethnicities of people, they're worshiping. It says day and night, they never stop saying these words. Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is, and you're coming again. That's what they say up in heaven. Can you imagine that? That's what the angels are doing. And you go to chapter 5 and We're getting ready to release the judgments. And the only one that's worthy to do it, they say, is the slaughter, the Lamb of God who is worthy. the One of power and riches and wisdom and strength, glory and honor and blessing. Hear me, loved ones, that's the Jesus that we still serve today. I want you to see, he is the living one. He's worthy of our adoration, our praise, and our worship. I forgot that I did this, but in the column today, it talks about worship. What is worship? The essence of it, it's derived from the word, it's derived from the word worthship. It's the idea of placing worth and value on something or someone. When you worship it, that's what you do. You give it value. For us, we're expressing worth and we're giving value to God for who he is. That's when we were singing today. What are the things? He's good. He's faithful. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He's omniscient. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. God, that's who you are. And we give, we lift up our voices because of that. And we talk about giving praise to God. It's simply expressing what he has done for us. Oh, man, you've given me eternal life. (laughs) You've given me life. You've blessed me with a family. You've you've given us this church. You've given us a, a great job. You've given us resources. Oh, you just take care of us. You go before me, you stand behind me. See, that's praise. You're just saying, God, thank you for these things. So what should you do? Well, here's the first thing when I'm talking about praying we begin to adore God. That we begin to prioritize Him. But prayer, we got to work at it. So I want to give you just some general guidelines to kind of help you today. And, and the first one that I want to talk about is just this adoration. Where we, we begin to understand that this adoration is simply an outflow of understanding and seeing Jesus for who he is. Remember King David? He was a warrior. I mean, they went and they decimated a lot of places. But then you know what we see about David? I mean, he was a man's man. And I know for some of you men when I start talking about adoring and worshiping and praising and thanking, you're thinking, whoa, that's what the ladies do. I don't think so. No, Jesus called men as well as women. And then David's this guy that just decimated countries. And then what does he do? He goes back and he writes a psalm about his love for God. A psalm is simply a song. And then he'd get his whatever out, and he'd play and he'd sing to him. That's what many or most of the songs are about. And I start with this thing of adoration because that's where we want to start. When you want to begin to pray for the needs that you have, when you want to begin to pray for the people that you want to see touched and blessed, when you want to begin to see somebody healed, you better believe that it's a big God up there. And some of us, including me, I kind of lost this largeness of God. But I'm getting it back where I'm beginning to see He's God. And we'll talk about next week, making some big asks. And when you come into God's presence, when you come in here today, if you're really worshiping and not just standing around, kind of going through the motions and letting the words just kind of fall off your lips or mumbling or whatever, when you encounter the living Christ, this is what Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18 says, behold him, that when we behold him, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, the reflection of God. We see him, we sense him. It says, guess what? We get changed from glory to glory or we get changed from experience to experience to experience. Whenever you come into his presence, whenever you encounter him, there should be something of change that's taking place because you've seen him, sensed him, adored him, felt him, worshiped him, praised him, I this, you know, I go through and I kind of work through my stuff on Sunday morning and I had this silly thought and I texted Destin and said, could you get these pictures up for me? I want you to see these pictures. See these first ones? These are fans. Those are 49er fans. How do they look? Cut clothed and in their right mind, Right? They're just kind of sitting back, enjoying the game. Got one guy really going after it, clapping. That's the 49er fans. Let's look at the Raider fans. Yeah, see I cap on them a lot. Here is my thought today. Here's my question to you. Who do you want as your fans in your life? Who? You want the Raiders. Why? Because they are fanatics, and they are crazy about their team. They are dressing up. I don't know what a Raider looks like, but they've got their ideas, and they want to look like a Raider. Look at them, they're hugging each other, they're high-fiving, they're all over the place. They are radical, they're out of control. (laughs) Uh, Could the ushers have that woman removed, please? (laughs) come on, this is the first time I've ever capped, I mean, not uh, ever capped on the Niners. Cut me some slack here. Yeah. But I love this because I thought that's who I want on my team. I want them cheering for me. Because see, that's what adoration does. Whatever you worship, you become like. Those guys... This is what they do. They get up early in the morning, they get their regalia on, they get their face on, and what do they do? Oh, there's a Raider fan. You can tell it because of the way they look and the dress and the act. And they're radical, out of control for their team. How many of us as Christ followers have kind of a Raider mentality? Where when we come to church, when we encounter Jesus, we're beginning to look like Him. And we take time in the morning. Now, don't paint your face, but you you, you begin to put on the countenance of Christ. Because you sit with Him. You adore Him. You want to live like Him. And when you come to church, it's like, I'm going to sing today. I'm going to praise and I'm going to worship not just going to be kind of a how great thou art god you're so good god see david was an unbridled worshiper one day he's bringing back the ark that had been taken by the philistines uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6 and he's bringing it back and everybody's celebrating because for them that was the presence of God the visible, tangible, personal presence of God and they're bringing it in and what is David doing? He is, I don't know if it was the Charleston or whatever it was but he was erratically dancing he's coming down the street so Ark's with him they're coming in but his wife, Michael's up on the deck and she's watching him he steps into the door you know what he, she says? Guys, you know something? You really made a first-class fool out of yourself today, dancing like that, the king, in front of all of these people and girls. Yeah. You You know what David said to her? He looks at her and he goes, let me just tell you something, honey. I will be even more undignified than this because I'm dancing, not for you, but for the Lord. I wonder how many of us could give up just a little bit of our dignity in our worship and our praise that we're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to paint my face for, no, don't do that next week, but but I'm just, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can to begin to look like Jesus and to begin to live like him. And I'm going to kind of, you know what, I'm going to be a little more kind of focused on adoring Have times sometimes trouble with people who really celebrate God. Oh, they're weird, they're too spiritual. I don't mean be weird. But what if we were a little more, God, thank you. Expressive, adoring. People have trouble with that. You know what happened to Michael after what, what took place? She became barren. It said from that day on, she was barren. People that don't worship, there begin to begin, there begins to be a barrenness of soul. To be a church that makes sure that we are celebrating and loving and adoring Jesus back to my story that I close with the guy that hit the golf ball it hits about 20 yards onto the green and it starts rolling toward us so we're kind of tracking it again remember that's a no no so it's tracking toward us. So we're all like, if this is the, the, if you know golf, this is this was the flag stick. I mean, we're all just around it like this. And um, it's just rolling toward us. And all of a sudden, it goes in the hole. It was a hole in one. Four witnesses, none of them saw it. So I reached in, took the ball, and here it is. Don't ever tread on my green again. <laughs> no, I am a golfer. I would never do that. So that ball roll. I mean, we literally for for. I mean, a mi- a half a minute just watched it go. Drop. So we could barely see those guys. So I start jumping up and down. I'm waving my hands and screaming, hey, hey. I'm trying to tell them they got a hole in one. And they couldn't really tell what was going on. So they just started going off. And so I said, OK, don't say anything. When they get here, I'm going to tell them to hit me in the head. <laughs> so so I walk out there. And I'm kind of walking stern. and Because everyone knows if you golf very often that you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to hit them when people, if, they, if you think you can hit them, hit on the green. Hit where they are. As I walk out there and I kind of got this stern face. I said, Who hit the, the Taylor made three? And uh, they're kind of going, Ah, uh, because they could tell I was a little ramped up and, and they knew that they'd done something. So they're kind of going, Ah, oh, I think it was him. Oh, I think it was him. And I said, Well, who did it? And finally they pointed to this, yeah, just young, good looking 25 year old kind of, you know, yeah, he's, he's the guy that hit it, I think. I said, You hit it? Well, what, what, Taylor made what? I said, Taylor made three. He goes, Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I did. And he goes, man, I, I, I knew when I hit that, I was afraid I might hit somebody. I'm really sorry if I hit you. I said, Yeah, you hit me in the head. He goes, Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, uh, and finally, I walked up to him and I just stuck out my hand and I said, By the way, I'm kidding. You got a hole in one. You know, and, uh, and so we're all celebrating. We're jumping up and down and we're just, you know, and he goes, I got to see this. I said, yeah, we left it in there for you so you could pull it out. We took pictures. Oh, I should have showed you. I got pictures I should have showed you, but. Um, uh, so we did that we're screaming and yelling and high-fiving and they can't believe it. And we got to experience it. I said, I'll see you afterwards because you owe us all something to drink. It's interesting. I never saw them uh, the rest of the day, <laughs> and that's another courtesy of golf. Uh, but lest I digress, we um, so so we're done, and we go to the next hole, eight hole number eight, and Trina goes and greets the ladies, and one of the ladies goes, "What's the problem over there? How come it's so noisy? You guys are just way too loud." And I'm kind of walking over there and I didn't really know what was going on. And I just said, hi, ladies. And she goes, well, how come so, you guys are, you know, on a golf course, you're supposed to be, shh. Remember, you don't clap like that. It's golf clap. And so I go over there and, and she goes, how come you guys are so noisy? And I can tell, you know, miffed. And I go, well, guy over there just got a hole in one. Oh, well, then everything changed from there. And see, that's how we can be. We can come to church and we don't know what's going on in our life and other people's lives and instead of celebrating that God is to be adored instead of celebrating who he is instead of celebrating what he brings to our life, what he's already brought and what he's going to bring and we don't even know it, we're the ones, that, oh well you know, eh, church worship today eh. There's some people, maybe some of you that you don't even come in for worship because you don't care to worship and just like some of you come in for worship and then you leave for the, well, you wouldn't be here now then. But some people leave for the because of the word. Instead of saying, "I just want to encounter the living Christ, I want to adore Him," but when I sing, say how I lift my hands, how I hear the word, and a lot of times we just we miss that. We're like those that gal. Now ah, what's going on over there? we don't celebrate what Jesus is doing and can do because we walk by faith not by sight we don't see a lot of stuff but God's at work and I want you to hear that loved ones and some of you in this room need to hear that today God is at work in your life you don't feel it you don't see it you don't know it but you still need to adore him and celebrate him because he's the living God Now, I just took 35 minutes to tell you, A, and I'm talking. You know what? You can do what I'm just talking about in about five or six minutes where you come in. This is what I do in the morning. I go in and I, last night I got this idea. I was listening to this song that we're going to sing because it's been so impactful for me in what God's doing in me. And then I know he's going to do it in our church. I just listened to it like a little girl about 20 times last night. And I said to Jake, I said, "This is what I want you to do. I want you to, want you to get it ready for tomorrow morning?" And he said, "Sure, no problem." Because it just brought me again to this place of adoration. And this is what I do in the morning. now I put my music on my computer, and I just read and write. I just want to adore Jesus. It's not about what I write down. it's about who I'm writing about. It's not about being there with the Bible, it's about being there. I want to challenge you tomorrow this week get up a little early put on a music if you like it and just sit there and bask say jesus just want to be with you because then we'll talk about the next three steps in that process but would you stand with me I want to honor who you are. Some are introverts, some are extroverts. Some are expressive, some are not very expressive. But as we sing this song, I want us to sing it with a, with, with, with a little sense of this is, I'm singing this to Jesus. I want you to, 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 to just see him and imagine you're standing before him and sing praise and worship the living Christ don't forget that's why we're here would you just join me as we sing maybe some of you want to raise your hands maybe you've never done that maybe some of you want to lift them higher maybe some of you want to kneel maybe some of you just want to sit in the quietness maybe some of you can never sing sing out Trina and I have this joke where I'll be singing a song or she'll be singing a song and we'll look at one another, whoever's singing, she'll come in to my office. Hey, who sings that? Oh, I go, you know, Pat Barrett. And she will, let's let him do it, you know? and uh, But you know what, I, 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 I'm not singing to her. I'm singing to him. I'm not singing to you. I'm singing to him. So I want to encourage you for just about four or five minutes. Extend yourself in adoration. Let's say.
0: Worthy of every song.
1: statement of worship that says God, you're worth this for who you are. What, what, what do you want to just say? God, thank you for who you are. It's the one, the, the, the one who is omniscient. He knows all. He's omnipotent. He's forgiving. He's gracious. He's just. Would you just speak a word or two that you said, God, thank you for who you are. And then after that, just speak a word of praise that you want to thank God for something that he's done. Hear me, loved ones. If we can't do it in this room, where are we going to do it? So begin just to speak out to the Lord this morning. Say, God, thank you. Lord, I thank you that you oversee, you overrule in this world where it seems out of control. You are in control. God, thank you that you would have given your life for me. And in the process of that, you would give me a, you would, you would set a plan for my life that I could have never imagined. I could have never set it up. God, I'm so unworthy, but yet you found this life and gave it life. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, Lord, we we just want to speak to you and see you and know you help us to become just really comfortable maybe even just a little less dignified because we want to adore you and see you and know you I pray that as we go this week tomorrow morning people will wake up and I'll just say you know I want to take a moment a few moments and I want to adore the Lord see him as Isaiah said I want to just sense his presence in a new way Lead me into my week. He will empower you to do what you need to do this week. He'll show you what not to do, what you need to do. Just trust Him. Let Him set your, let him set your marching orders. Let Him establish your agenda this week while you're thinking and doing everything you need to do. But take a moment tomorrow, this week, Father, thank you for these precious people. Teach us, challenge us, lead us to be people, Lord, who really do see you high and lifted up, as Isaiah said. And because of that, it causes us, it moves our hearts, Lord, to be able to pray and to believe you to do great things in our lives through this church and into our community. So we thank you for that today, Lord. I speak life and goodness and blessing over your people. In Jesus' strong name, we give thanks and pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.